Hey, this is Mitch from Huntington Beach, California, Surf City, USA. And I'd rather get attacked by sharks than listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. All right, let's get into this. Thank you for joining us. As always, thank you. This 225th episode of I Doubt It with Dolomore. I am your better late than never host, Jesse Dolomore. And sitting across from me, supportive and loving and talented and beautiful as always, Brittany Page. Well, you've just had a rough go of it the <laughs> I, past couple weeks. I have had. Well, especially the last couple days. Yes. Well, I mean, the last couple weeks it was building, yeah. building, and then it all kind of came to a head here recently and you finally were able to get an appointment with the va that is right well we're talking about my neck your effing neck my goddamn neck (laughs) it is your batman neck it has yeah no shit it is a batman neck it's been terrible and it it really my appointment has been set for about a week or so Mm -hmm. well a little longer than that because i had blood taken yeah about about 10 days let's say yeah I went and had blood taken in preparation for my appointment because it's been so long. The day after you gave blood. That's right. The day after I gave blood, I had to go back and get prodded in not a donation this time. <laughs> I didn't donate blood. I mean, I gave it freely to them, uh-huh. but they, they kept it and they're not using it for anybody's benefit other than to see how unhealthy I am. Mm. <laughs> yes. So anyway, uh, we went to a ball game on Tuesday and then Wednesday, which is normally our show day, we went out with some friends and had uh, some food and drink. And I need to sit on the end of the table like uh, like the head of the table, like uh, the captain's chair. Right. Because that way I'm not turning my head back and forth laterally mm-hmm. and making it all fucking crazy, which is why we skipped yesterday, because it was just... You were basically immobile. Yeah, no good. With your neck. Right. So I went to the doctor today, and we'll get well, I'll get through this really quickly, because it was kind of a shit show. I get there. Well, this is the same doctor's office at which I left 10 separate messages, uh-huh. a VA outpatient clinic, mm-hmm. Veterans Administration. I get there, get checked in, finally get back to see the doctor, the nurse. She asked me what's going on with my neck, whatever, talks to me about, you know, I need to lose 20 pounds. 27, 20, 27, yeah, 27. I need to lose some weight. And uh, I don't know if everyone needs the specifics. Eh, anyway, okay. I'm, uh, <laughs> my uh, cholesterol, as you would expect, is terrible. Triglycerides are fucking, you know, no good. So the doctor runs through all this with me when I finally get to see the actual doctor. And then says, okay, well, you know, lose the weight, blah, blah, blah. And we, we want to see you back in six months to make sure that those. The whatever is good with this other thing. And I'm like, well, what a, what about my neck? Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. So she forgot your neck. Totally forgot the neck. The reason you were there. Sent me to a, a an x-ray. 
And this is the part that really is kind of a what the fuck. Didn't lay hands on me one time. Didn't feel your neck. Didn't feel, didn't touch my neck. Didn't shake my goddamn hand. Zero physical contact between me and the doctor. Really? Yeah, none. Zero. It's, it's very unusual. I was kind of, I mean, I'm not going to be like second guessing. Like, hey, uh, you want to you wanna feel it? <laughs> <laughs> but I was a little shocked that it just sent me back to the x-ray. And then hey, if something's wrong with the x-ray, we'll call you. If not, eh, we'll see you. Well, how was her bedside manner? Was she nice? Is she kind of abrupt? What What's the deal there? No, she, I think she feigns... Okay, Fanes. She feigns. Is... Well, she's not a, she's not shitty. Okay. She's not. I would call her friendly. Uh-huh. It... But you think she's putting it on if she doesn't Well, cl- cl- listen. In order to examine my fucking neck, you have to put your 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 hands on me. You have to yeah. at least feel it. Yeah. See, you could do just a a cursory basic examination to feel if there's some goiter or some fucking weird growth in my neck. Right. Well, she didn't do that. Well, not only is it important, it's also kind of comforting when a doctor does that, right? Because I, I know that when I was younger, I broke out in hives because of an allergic <laughs> reaction. Yeah, you did. And I was covered in these nasty red welts is what they look just all over my whole body. Yeah. And it was disgusting. And I went to the doctor and I had a major crush on him. And every time I saw him, I looked horrible, like double pink eye. <laughs> Uh, what a nightmare childhood. Hives all over. It was horrible. But Double pink eye. Yeah, it was. And that's only in one eye. No, I woke up and I couldn't open either of my eyes. It was horrible. Anyway, so I went to see him and, and he, without gloves on, was touching my hives. And I remember it was like such a powerful experience for me, not only because I had a crush on him, but because I felt so gross and disgusting and he touched me and it was like, oh, well, maybe I'm not gross and disgusting, even though I was pretty gross and disgusting, <laughs> covered in gross right. hives. Well, I didn't feel gross. <laughs> I didn't feel gross. I just felt unexamined. So yes, I guess we'll see. The story fucking continues and we will let you know about the next chapter. But let's let's move on with the show with the the listener call cavalcade oh yeah that follows here i love our listeners and we i got some scrumptious voicemails super super good uh, that's just that scrumptious item I, clearly we we encourage listener participation through voicemails and emails and we, we like this a lot and today i'm gonna we have three different voicemails on three completely different topics and it's just, it's awesome. So let's start with a topic we talked about kind of briefly in passing about women's safety and how I, because of my involvement with you and how we talk about things all the time, really came to an understanding that I didn't have before. You as in me and not the audience. Yeah, you, I'm, well, I'm, yeah, I guess the audience doesn't know I'm looking deeply into your eyes while I talk <laughs> to you. Um, I didn't know that it, there was, it was such a, a uh, trepidatious thing to even just walk out in a dark parking lot because right. I, I never had to worry about that. Yes, you know I I've got twenty seven pounds to lose, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, one no one's going to be looking to to violate me that way. And also, even if they did, they're going to have a real 
real hard time doing it. Because <laughs> Jesse was a Marine, everybody. All right. Let's get to the voicemail. Hey, guys. It's Carissa from Pennsylvania. Um, I was listening to your podcast religiously. And not this last one, but I think 222, you guys were discussing um, women's safety and it's really funny because I was just having this discussion with my husband when we were looking for, I was looking for a place to park in the mall. And here he was thinking I was trying to find a place closer to the door to the mall because he thinks I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I had to explain to him I couldn't park this one certain spot because there was a, a van there. The other spot wasn't close enough to a light. And some spots are just more, it's easier for somebody to kind of sneak up around and do something to you when you're not expecting it, when you have your arms full of, um, you know, bags and, and such. So uh, I think it's really interesting that you guys brought this up and he had no idea either that I had to think about all these things and it just kind of becomes a natural process and so being a woman is hard sometimes it's scary a lot of times um so thanks for bringing this topic up i know you guys didn't spend a ton of time on it but um i appreciate you moving this conversation forward and from the original love the show Brittany's the best part bye Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. See, she knows she started a trend. Yeah, trendsetter for sure. But she brings up a a really interesting point, which to me, it is so confusing that so many men don't even recognize this. Yeah. But I guess it really speaks to the whole idea of privilege, right? Which a lot of people hate discussing. But privilege is all about these things that you have that you don't even realize. Yeah, that you don't have to think about. Right, that you don't have to think about, you don't have to worry about. And so for men... When they're so confused, oh, you have to like be concerned when you're walking to your car. Oh, you can't park by a van? What? Yeah, you yeah, need to park by right. a light? Why do you need to park by a light? Well, it's also this, and this is what really made it stand out to me several years ago when we talked about this, that if I'm in, in, on a dark street or in, in a parking lot and my car happens to be in the same direction that a woman is walking and I'm behind her, I need to be very aware of... The pace at which I walk to not be threatening because in my mind, I know I'm not a threat. Of course, I'm not. A th- I don't right. want to be too janky here, but of course, I'm not a threat. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. But she doesn't know me. She yes. doesn't know it's gregarious. Good time. Jesse Dollimore. She's this could be my fucking demise. This could be my last day on earth. And he could be here to hurt me. Right. And unfortunately, I've been in situations like that where it's like a friendly person. And I turn around with a look on my face like I'm ready to fight somebody. Yeah. And they're just... Let's be honest, though. You do that at the... You do that at the grocery store. It's just my natural face. To the checker. Um, (laughs) It's just my face. But seriously, and I've I've turned around and been aggressive with people. But it's because I'm, I'm fearful they're following me or I'm fearful that... 
you know, something weird is going on. Yeah. And so it is good that you've also picked that up, like needing to be mindful of how close you're following or, you know, what's going on. Wasn't there a commercial or a YouTube video one time of somebody who was, they had, they had, she had dropped something on the ground and a guy was following her and then she got nervous and started walking faster. And then he had to walk faster to, to stay up with her because he needed to give her back her item. And then they're both running at one point. Yeah, this sounds familiar. And I think it was that video after, and we had talked about it, that really illuminated illuminated it for me that, yeah, goddamn, it's, it is a privilege thing. Yeah. And, and men need to be aware of it and be sensitive to it because, look, you're, I'm an imposing fucking guy. I'm, I, I've been told that I'm intimidating just for regular dudes because I'm, not shy, and I'm a big dude. I can't imagine being a woman who constantly has to be on the on the lookout for predators and people ready to take advantage of them physically. Uh, it's uh, men need to be aware, absolutely. Well, and that's one benefit to my height, which I used to be really self-conscious about yeah, about yeah. how tall I am. I'm not even, you know, crazy tall, just 5'10". But I... Average height of a woman is 5'3". Okay, well... <laughs> In America. So I would be very, you know, self-conscious about this and I wouldn't want to wear heels and things like that. But now I love wearing heels because it makes me feel like I have a this... A fighting chance. No, like it <laughs> makes me feel a little bit more powerful. Yeah. Right? And because height is a factor. And so when I'm like 6'2", that's a little imposing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's good. <laughs> All right. Well, last episode and the previous episode, we touched on this topic coming up next. Uh, Nikki from the Netherlands, the lovely, loyal listener, alliteration aside, who has graciously offered up the shed in her backyard. If indeed the orange-faced mook Donald Trump gets elected... She called in to weigh in on the assisted suicide topic. Hey, Brittany and Jesse, it's Nikki. Just wanted to add my opinion to the discussion on assisted suicide, especially with regards to the lady who called in last episode. Um, she has type 1 diabetes, which means that if she stops eating, she's not going to die from starvation. She'll slip into a diabetic coma and, well, she could die within hours. A DNR is very useful in that case, but not if you have a terminal illness because doctors usually do not resuscitate someone who's died of a terminal illness. So it's kind of pointless. The thing is, I think that people have a right to choose their own moment of death. Both my mother and my best friend had cancer, and both of them opted for euthanasia, which has been legal here for many years. Um, I think they were really courageous to make that choice. Because, let's face it, no, no one wants to die. Everyone wants to live forever. So did they, but they knew that they weren't going to live forever, that their death was imminent and going to be very painful so they chose to have a really good day spent with friends and family and then to die and 
I think it's very, very selfish for people to decide for other people that they are going to have to suffer till the end because their religion doesn't allow it. Fine, then for them, no assisted suicide. They don't need to take that option, right? I think everyone should be free to choose it or not. So, yeah, that's my opinion. Keep moving the conversation forward. And remember, Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Can, can I just say that I goddamn love Nikki? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seriously. It is, it's a weird, deep, abiding affection that I have for this lady in a foreign country with whom I've never had an, a chance to meet. Mm-hmm. It might be a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> no, she she has one of those voices where I, I hear it and I just immediately smile. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because we've heard from Nikki so much that now she's like familiar to me. So it's just a familiarity thing. Yeah. Or if it's the awesome accent. I don't know what it, it's the shed. I don't know. But right. whatever it is, it's good. The other thing I want to say is I love I love what we have here on the show that I enjoy being corrected that when we're wrong we're wrong and I was wrong on this about the the diabetes thing I'm like wow you're just starving yourself to death and apparently nope yeah you're fucking wrong yeah so good I, I I like to be corrected we want things to be accurate when we talk about things on the show well we're just a couple of turds out here trying to <laughs> Do the best we can. But I fully agree <laughs> with Nikki on this, 100%, 100%. I think we talked about this last time, that why should the caller from Canada, why should her particular flavor of religion that calls for, for, for no assisted suicide, why should it prevail over the choice of, choice of someone like Brittany Maynard, who wanted to go out utilizing a death with dignity type of government policy. So again, it's my choice is for me and it shouldn't be imposed upon anyone else. Just like assisted suicide being the law in California, it shouldn't be imposed on those who don't choose to take advantage of it. Only if you want to. Right. Well, and these arguments seem like very reasonable arguments that could apply to many different things. They seem that way. <laughs> <laughs> and then you start to think, well, maybe libertarians make some sense in certain places. Some places they really, really do. All right. Last call in this collection of listener calls. Again, we are graced with Dan. Southern California here calling in, but this time about the current crisis in Orlando. Hey guys, uh, this is Dan in Oceanside. Uh, I know we've had a couple, there's been some Facebook discussions uh, on my page and your page that we've all been involved in uh, talking about the, how much importance we put on, you know, maybe the uh, changing of gun rights in the States, how much we look at the religious uh, ideology that would have led this individual to act. Um, but I, I just wanted to, I, I, I've seen a lot of things online. I've been reading a lot about it. And I think what's getting lost is yes, this, this is an American tragedy, 
Uh, but it wasn't just Americans he attacked. He specifically attacked gay people. Uh, and I think he, he attacked gay people for being gay is what it seems to be. And so I think while, you know, we like to personalize news stories and pe- I've heard people saying stuff like, oh, this could have been my kids, could have been your kids, uh, could have been, you know, blacks or Latinos or, or Jews or, you know, and, and we've had attacks on all those people groups for being those people groups uh, before. And I think we need to recognize that this is, he went to a known uh, gay nightclub to kill gay people. And I think that that's a, a while an, an, a, a sh- an utter shame and tragedy, I think that we actually do that disservice by failing to recognize that that people group, you know, around the world, like, you know, in Saudi Arabia, they would throw you off a building. Uh, in, Niger- in Nigeria or Uganda, they would just kill you. Uh, and we, we had a similar attack here in the States that, that people who are homosexuals are not safe in their own, you know, in their own private time doing the things that Americans like to do. And I think that's just kind of like an uh, unspeakably disastrous that we have an attack like that happen on our soil without recognizing it uh, properly. Uh, And I, I think the same way that the the French gunmen went after people at their leisure time, went to concerts, went to restaurants. I think that that's, there's a despicability to it that is, is almost beyond words that you, you specifically go after people when they feel like they're safe and they're around their friends and, and such. Yeah. Um, anyways, guys, I uh, want to know what you thought about that. Uh, there, I'm sure in the future we'll have some gun law discussion. We'll have some, how do we handle radical Islam discussion? But I thought that that needed to be highlighted because I'm not seeing it too often. Uh, anyways, guys, love the show. Uh, really interested to see what you guys talk about regarding to this because you're always really thoughtful and, and dive deep. Uh, I'll talk to you later. It is an important point, and I think that that is that is why it's so important to talk about the religious angle. That's and and I think you're, that you're always right with me. That's exactly what I wrote down. Why did he attack gay people? Why? If it weren't for his religious indoctrination, where did his hatred of the LGBT community come from? Right. Where did it come from if it wasn't for religious indoctrination? Yeah, that, that's it. What is Religion. the what is the main influence on that? It it is it is these teachings, and it's problematic, and so that's why. I had a little bit of a problem when the news story first broke and everyone kind of launched into this discussion on guns like they always do. Well, this was a unique attack on the gay community. Right. Why did it happen? Look into the motivation of why it happened. Because that seems like an important part in addressing how to not have it happen again. Well, the cause of the, of the deaths in Orlando of these almost 50 members of the gay community there are it would they it was predicated based on religion obviously the the conduit the mechanism the tool that was used was a gun and that's a problem but there wouldn't have been an attack there wouldn't be even a gun control conversation if islam and christianity and judaism didn't fucking exist that's just the way it is. 
Well, and even before this shooting rampage, the LGBT community, they're already the most likely targets of hate crimes in America. Yes. Uh, twice as likely to be targeted as African-Americans. And the rate of hate crimes against them has surpassed that of the crimes against Jews. Wow. So this is already a community that is experiencing a lot of, of hate crime. Yeah. And again, why is that happening? And so I think it's important to address those religious undertones and also the political issues as well. Sure. Because politics play a role here, too. Well, listen, there's not even but let's get into this. Let's let's do get into this. But before we do, I want to thank all of our callers. Th- yes. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you calling in. We appreciate you contributing. We appreciate you moving the conversation forward, joining with us, partnering with us, really, to make the show what it is and make it as successful in those pursuits as it is. And if, you make the show better. <laughs> absolutely. If you, too, would like to sound off, would like to communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Hell, you can even, <laughs> if you are so inclined, you can write us an old-fashioned letter and mail it to 15822. That's 15822 Newport Beach, Oh, wait, I guess P.O. Box. Yeah. 15822. Yes. Newport Beach, California, 92659. That is also on the website. So if you didn't catch it... Go to go to contact Brittany and Jesse. Yes. Dollamore.com. You can send us the old, the old letter. Yes. <laughs> Again, 657-464-7609. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Go to the contact page on the website. Also, speaking of the website... If you're not subscribed to the show in iTunes or Google Play or TuneIn or Stitcher or wherever you get a podcast, go subscribe to the show. It's the way to do it with your smartphone. A lot of people, and I mean a lot, stream the show from the website. And maybe it's just me, but that seems like a major pain right in the asshole. That does not seem like a good time. So go get a podcatcher on your smartphone and uh, and download the automatically when you subscribe. It just boop, it's in your phone and you can listen. You don't have to fumble fuck around with our shitty website listening to the show that way. After you do subscribe on Google or iTunes, go rate and review us just for a good time because it's a real, real good time doing that. All right, let's let's get into this a little bit. Back into this Orlando LGBT deal and the religion aspect of this. We've talked last episode, we talked and we played some nauseating audio of that pastor in Tempe, Arizona, Faithful Word Baptist Church pastor Stephen Anderson. Well, to go a little further to show that it's not him, just one random asshole out there who pastors a church in America. He's not just one dude who just wants to make a name for himself being a prick. There are many out there. There's a guy, Pastor Roger Jimenez in the Sacramento, California area, who got a little notoriety this week when the media pointed out this particular segment of his sermon related to the Orlando shooting. 
Now people say like, well, aren't you sad that 50 sodomites died? Here's the problem with that. It's like the equivalent of asking me, you know, what if you asked me, hey, are you sad that 50 pedophiles were killed today? Um, no, I think that's great. I, I, I think that helps society. You know, I think Orlando, Florida is a little safer tonight. Now that 50, you know, the tragedy is that more of them didn't die. I mean, the tragedy is I'm, 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 I, I'm, I'm kind of upset that he didn't finish the job because these people are predators. He also said this. You got to understand, God paints a picture of these people as being filthy predators. Let's look at more passages. Go to the book of Jude. If you combine the book of Revelation, last book of the Bible, right before the book of Revelation, you got the book of Jude. And look, if you say, you say, well, I just don't agree with you, you know, I think sodomites are fine. Look, whatever. Please don't get around my children, but, you know, whatever. You can believe whatever you want. But at the end of the day, if you're going to call yourself a Bible-believing Christian, you've got to decide, what do you do with all these verses we're reading? He's right. Do you believe the Word of God or not? And see, Christians today have decided that they're just going to ignore entire sections of Scripture and just say, well, that's not applicable today. And look, the Word of God, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's all profitable. It's all applicable. He's exactly right. All of these Christians who justify their modern, generous, tolerant views, accepting views of LGBT, they are ignoring massive swaths of Scripture in their holy text. Isn't that preferable to the people who don't ignore it? Yes, but the problem lies is that people are starting to think, oh, well, that's not really in the Bible. These are just assholes who are using the Bible to, to justify their hate when they're accurately reading the Scripture. It is inspired by the Bible. It is, the hate is inspired by the Quran. So Jews, Christians, Muslims, if you are a true believer in your holy texts, you're culpable and you are a hater of these groups because they're different and your arcane bullshit, your fairy tales tells you otherwise. He also said this, and this relates directly to whether or not he thinks they should be killed. And let me say this, not only number one as Christians, should we not be mourning the death of these 50 vile, perverted predators that died today? But number two, let me say this. As Christians, we shouldn't be advocating the killing of sodomites. I'm not standing up here tonight and saying, let's go get some guns and let's go get them. Okay, that's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what he's saying at all, Brittany. He's not saying, let's go get guns and kill them. That's not what he's saying. He clarifies. Okay, that's not what I'm saying at all. And people sometimes will hear, you know, someone like me preach or someone like other pastors like me and say, you guys are advocating violence. We're not advocating violence. We're not saying we should go do this, but we're just saying this. If we lived in a righteous nation with a righteous government, then the government should be taking them. There's no tragedy. Tragedy. I, I wish the government would round them all up, put, put them up against a firing wall, put a firing squad in front of them and blow their brains out. If we lived in a righteous government that loved God and loved children and wanted to protect them, that's what we do. I'm not saying we should do it. 
I'm not saying we should go, you know, blow up Planned Parenthood. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is this. If God had his way, that's what he'd do. I'm not saying we should do that. I'm just saying if God had his way, the being we aspire to be like, I'm just saying that's what he would do. So if you want to be closer to God and you want to be Christ-like, which is the admonition of every Christian, that's what Jesus would have done. And if you're going to be Christ-like, aren't you going to want to do what Jesus would do? That's what all those fucking bracelets all the time. The WWJD. What would Jesus do? Well, apparently, this hateful maniac believes Jesus Christ would advocate the firing squad of people because they were born gay. Now, this guy's uh, tirade was removed from YouTube. That's right. Because of as, a, as was Steven Anderson. Because of a hate speech violation, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is horrible. It's terrible to listen to, but it is so important to have this up. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because a lot of people don't believe that people like this exist. Yeah. Or they don't want to believe people like this exist. But you need to understand that people like this exist and you can't ignore it because this is real and he has a following you could hear the laughter in his congregation right you could hear the support of amen after he said very disgusting and hateful things so it's not just him and it's not just the other pastor these are two pastors that have a following they have a church and that's really important to understand because the only way to counter this is to know it exists, admit it exists, and then start to take it on yes. and take it apart. I, I agree with you that YouTube should not have taken it down because because for those, those very reasons. You're right. Yeah. Well, good. Look at that. We agree on something, Brittany Page. <laughs> I mean, you're a little <laughs> too radical for me at times, <laughs> but look at that. We agree. All right. Well, listen, it's not... I play this for the very reasons we just talked about, that it is important. I want you to know as an audience. I want you to be informed. I don't want you to be in the dark of, oh, uh, that's just a one-off. That's just weird hate speech. I couldn't find it on YouTube, and everything's on YouTube. I don't want you to be living in a bubble like that. So I search, and I try to find it. As soon as it comes out, I fucking snag that audio before it gets taken down because I want to enlighten everyone who chooses to listen to Brittany and I. Well, there is a shift happening. And there are politicians who are now acting as though they are champions. And some are acting as though they're longtime champions of the LGBT community. You mean liberal politicians? No. Oddly enough, conservative Florida politicians like Attorney General... Pam Bondi, Mm. the same woman who allegedly took a $25,000 campaign contribution and subsequently canceled the investigation and possible trial of Donald Trump's Trump University. Allegedly. I said allegedly. 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 A lot of substantive investigation has been done, and it seems likely... Allegedly. It's allegedly (laughs) very likely that it happened. Brittany Page. Okay. (laughs) So. Allegedly. (laughs) She was on with Anderson Cooper 
outside the Orlando Regional Medical Center talking about how she is now a champion for gay rights or, or for the gay community, and she's standing behind them. And, you know, Anderson's been on the ground in Orlando, and he has been spending a lot of time yeah. with uh, the families of victims in the Orlando shooting. He's been talking to them. He's been on the ground there for days. And, and he's just generally a fucking boss. Yeah, and he received some information from the LGBT community that they're not tremendous fans of <laughs> Pam Bondi. Right, right. So he called her out. On this very thing. I saw you the other day saying that um, anyone who attacks the LGBT community, our LGBT community, you said, will be gone after with the full extent That's of the exactly law. exactly right. Um, I talked to a lot of gay and lesbian people here yesterday who are, are not fans of yours and who said that they thought you were being a hypocrite, that you for years have fought, uh, you've basically gone after gay people, said that in court that gay people, simply by fighting for marriage equality, were trying to do harm to the people of Florida to induce uh, public harm, I believe was the term you used in court. Do you really think you're a champion of the gay community? Uh, I, let me tell you, I, when I was sworn in as attorney general, I put my hand on the Bible and was sworn to uphold the constitution of the state of Florida. That's not a law that was voted into our state constitution by the voters of Florida. That's what I was defending. Mm -hmm. Had nothing to do. I've never said I don't like gay people. That's but ridiculous. You do say, but do you worry about using language accusing gay people of trying to do harm to the people of Florida that, when doesn't that send a message to some people who might have bad ideas Anderson, in mind? Anderson, I don't believe gay people could do harm to the state of Florida. We're but you argued gays. that in court. My lawyer argued a case defending what the Supreme Court allowed the voters to put in our state right, constitution. But you are arguing the gay marriage, if, if, if there was gay marriage, if there was same-sex marriage, that would do harm to the people of Florida, to Florida society. That it was constitutional to put that in the, in the constitution. Are you saying you did not believe it would do harm to Florida? Of course not. Of course not. Gay, gay people, no, I've never said that. I, those you, words that have never come out of my mouth. But that is specifically what you were arguing in court. Y you know, no. No, what we argued was it was in the Constitution of the state of Florida. Let me give you an example. Medical marijuana. A 12-year-old could get it if it passed. We took that to the Supreme Court because of that language. Hold on. But if that passed, I would defend that as well because it's my job to defend what's in the Constitution of the state of Florida. The, That's the, what it was about. The hotline that, that you've been talking about on television, which allows family members and spouses of the dead to get information, uh, yes. which is incredibly important, and, and I appreciate you talking about it on the air. Had there been no gay marriage, had there been no same-sex marriage, you do realize that spouses, there would be no spouses, that boyfriends and girlfriends of the dead would not be able to get information and would not be able to probably even visit in the hospital here. Well, so isn't the, there a, a sick irony in that? Well, yeah, and let me tell you something. Let me take it a step farther. Um, people aren't, right now, who are partners and aren't married um, officially aren't able to get information. So we're trying to assist them in getting information because early but isn't on, isn't there a sick irony that you, for years, were fighting the, that very idea? I was defending the Constitution of what's over 69% of the voters right. within the Constitution. But the, you know, the courts, the federal court said that's not the Constitution, right. and you continued and to fight it. No, that's why we rushed it to get it to the U.S. Supreme Court well, because we needed finality. Before the Supreme Court, there was a federal judge, and you continued to fight it after the federal judge ruled. And in fact, you spent hundreds of thousands of dollars 
of taxpayer money well, Anderson, fighting. Anderson, we rushed to get it to the Supreme Court. You know what today's about? Human beings. Today's right. about victims. It's about gay and lesbian here. victims. It sure is. Right. LGBT right. victims. I'm just wondering, about, is it hypocritical to, to portray yourself as a champion of the gay community? When I'm, I'm just reflecting what I'm a lot not, of gay people have told me, they don't see you as Anderson, that. Anderson, I'm not portraying myself as anything other than trying to help human beings right. who have lost their lives who are right behind us right now in hospital beds, who have family members who aren't getting the services they need. This morning, you know what I've been doing? Trying to fight with a funeral home for overcharging family members to bury their loved ones. I'm not championing anything other than Floridians. So Anderson would have been taking care of his, <laughs> but it was more applicable to be played here. Yeah, let me tell you something. Uh she went off. She did some interviews and talked about how it was inappropriate and it was bad timing and this wasn't what this was about. Listen, if he had been praising you for how great you were and how wonderful and what an ally you were to the LGBT community, you would have just soaked that in and just uh, basked in the glowing rays of praise from Anderson Cooper, gay demigod. But because he's criticizing you and pointing out the blatant, rampant hypocrisy, Attorney General Pam Bondi, then it's, oh, this is not the time for that. The other thing is, she's talking about, well, I took an oath to, to, to support and uphold the Constitution of the state of Florida. Well, as an officer of the court, you also take an oath to support and defend the Constitution, to uphold the Constitution of the United States. And when they are at odds, the, the United States Constitution trumps the state Constitution every time. Don't act like you don't know, or maybe you don't know and you're just not fucking qualified to be the Attorney General of a very populous state. So someone tweeted this tweet, Grace Manger, Grace Manger, something like that. You know, I'm really good with names. Real and, good with uh, names. <laughs> she said, don't depoliticize our death when you have politicized everything about our lives. So good. And I think that that is a great response to Pam Bondi here when she starts complaining about this interview. Yeah. You were just being asked questions about your record. Right. If it's uncomfortable, then maybe you shouldn't have those fucking positions or be proud of what you believe and how you act. Right. And, and how you comport yourself politically. And then don't start acting like it's a problem to talk about that at this point in time. And that is exactly what has happened. Like I said, she went out, she did some interviews, and she called out Anderson Cooper and said a bunch of shit. And listen, I'm... I'm unapologetic about it. I admire, I fucking love Anderson Cooper. We are friends. We are we are allies of Anderson Cooper. <laughs> You're friends. Oh, yeah. We're we're good friends. Well, how can I get in on that? I wish I was. Okay. <laughs> but this took place in the aftermath of Pan Bondi making all kinds of accusations that she was being attacked and how unfair it was. Welcome back. Now a 360 follow about an interview I did with Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi yesterday on CNN. Now, as a rule, I think it's important that reporters not become part of the story. I don't get into feuds with other cable news anchors or professional politicians. On this broadcast, and especially in this awful tragedy, we try to keep the focus on where it should be, on the victims and the survivors and the loved ones they left behind. 
But today, the Attorney General went on a radio show and made some claims about our interview that are just factually incorrect. Now, she's either mistaken or she's not telling the truth. Talking about my interview with her yesterday, here's part of what she said on WOR, New York Talk Radio Station, today. So we've been dealing with price gouging issues, with, with potential scams about people trying to donate to legitimate charities. So that's what they told us they wanted us to talk about. And we felt like Anderson Cooper had a huge audience to help people yesterday. So we went over there. We went on. We were going to talk about the interview was supposed to be about helping victims' families, not creating more anger and havoc and hatred yesterday. Yesterday was about unity, about bringing people together, about helping these people. Before we went live, I said, Anderson, these are all the issues we need to help people with. And he said, okay, that's great. We started off with just maybe a couple minutes, if that, about about the, the scams, the potential scams that that these that people all over the world want to donate and just they need to make sure these websites are legitimate. Now, Attorney General Bondi is correct when she says we spoke just before we went on uh, the air live. As I do with most guests, I asked them as a courtesy what they want to talk about. So I asked her what she wanted to talk about. She mentioned possible scams that arise in the wake of tragedies, shady funeral homes she mentioned, and, Go and GoFundMe pages that her office were trying to verify is legit. Now, that's important, I said to her. Great, let's talk about it. In fact, I said, let's start with that. Let's lead off the interview with that. That's what I'll start with. She warned me she had no actual specifics about any scams, but I still said we would discuss it, and that's exactly what we did. So that's the only reason that whole topic ever came up in our discussion. But it's not true for her to say that she was booked to talk about scams in the first place. Now, you might ask, how do I know this? I know this because here are the pre-interview notes compiled by a CNN producer based on what Bondi's own office said she could possibly discuss. And nowhere in these notes were scams mentioned. In fact, right here, her office says that she could talk about the investigation process, but she couldn't get into any specifics beyond what the FBI had already said. She could say it was critical for law enforcement to be allowed to do their job properly and to avoid missteps. She also said that she could talk about the fact that she's meeting with victims' families and trying to help them, but that she also said she would not talk about gun control or any issues surrounding gun control. So that's all in the notes. So instead of following what her office suggested, I chose to ask her about comments she herself publicly has made on numerous other television show appearances in just the last few days. She's been on a lot of TV comments which seemed contradictory to her record in dealing with gays and lesbians in this state. So now another of the Attorney General's complaints, how CNN presented the interview. Listen. When he posted the clip, he cut out the entire first portion that discussed people donating to legitimate sites. Now, again, for the record, the interview aired live and unedited in the 2 p.m. Eastern hour yesterday on CNN. Everyone watching across the country and watching around the world saw and heard Pam Bondi say exactly what she said in real time, just as she said it. She's apparently there referring to a clip that was posted shortly after online over at CNN.com, a clip which focused just on our discussion about her public statements and her past record. Now, I don't control what's posted online. I'm here on the ground, and I'm told... They routinely shorten interviews online for time. Frankly, I wish they had posted the whole thing immediately, which they did, by the way, later in the day yesterday. And it's now online for you to watch in its entirety, including the vague comments about possible scams and making sure you donate to a reputable organization, all of which are important. But let's be real here. 
Ms. Bondi's big complaint seems to be that I asked in the first place, in the wake of a massacre that targeted gay and lesbian citizens, about her new statements about the gay community and about her old ones. I was extremely disappointed in that. Um, and, and it just wasn't the time nor the place for that yesterday because all it did was encourage anger and hate and, um, and families who were trying to help to, 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 to probably not trust my office and the 14 advocates we've brought in who are helping, trying to compensate, help them get compensation to bury their loved ones. And, of course, I've been getting, you know, horrible hatred emails and texts now based on Anderson's story. So that was just sad because he had a real opportunity to bring our country together yesterday and talk about what's right and what's good instead of a story filled with anger. A story filled with anger. So for the record, my interview was not filled with any anger. I was respectful before the interview. I was respectful during the interview. And I was respectful after the interview. I don't know Pam Bondi personally. She seems like a nice person, actually. I don't think she has hate in her heart. But what I think doesn't matter, it's my job to hold people accountable. And if on Sunday a politician is talking about love and embracing, quote, our LGBT community, I don't think it's unfair to look at their record and see if they have actually ever spoken that way publicly before, which I've never heard her say. The fact is Attorney General Bondi signed off on a 2014 federal court brief that claimed married gay people would, quote, impose significant public harm. Harm. She spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxpayer money, gay and straight taxpayers' money, trying to keep gays and lesbians from getting the right to marry. Now, look, good people can and do disagree on that issue. Everyone has a right to their own opinion, thank goodness. But Ms. Bondi is championing right now her efforts to help survivors, but the very right which allows gay spouses to bury their dead loved ones, that's a right that would not exist if Ms. Bondi had had her way. I think it's fair to ask her about that. There is an irony in that. I don't believe anyone should send angry, mean messages to her or anyone else, but that isn't what I've seen here these last few days. What I have seen here among gays and lesbians here, it's not hate and it's not anger. I've seen love and I've seen unity. Now, as I mentioned, one of Ms. Bondi's issues was the fact that when the interview first was posted on CNN.com for a couple hours, part of the, the, the bit about the charity scams was cut out. She wanted the whole interview seen, so it was reposted in its entirety yesterday, and it's still on there right now. Just to oblige her again, because what she said was you should either take the whole thing off or put it on in its entirety. It's on there in its entirety and has been since yesterday. But just so everybody can see the whole interview in its entirety, here it is again. And we are not going to do that because we played it up front. Now, I know that was long. And again, this is in the spirit of full, deep clips that give you the entire context and I wanted to show everything that was said. And in my in my estimation, Pam Bondi is is one a coward and fucking wrong. Also, also it sounds like a liar. Yeah, it does sound like that. Right, because she's allegedly, going allegedly, but it sounds like that. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> But Anderson did a really good job of breaking this down. I mean, he had the the pre-show notes, what they had agreed yeah. to talk about, yeah. what she said she wanted to talk about wasn't on those notes. That's because he's a fucking pro. He's, he's a consummate professional. Right. And then she's acting like... Who's our friend. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's acting like he is stirring up hate. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Like, he's responsible for people who might be angry. Which, what an accusation to make. Yeah. 
that because you were being asked questions in a very respectful, very, very civilized way. About your own record. Right. That that is somehow stirring up hatred. Well, maybe it's your record that is stirring up the hatred. Right. right. Hey, Anderson, stop reminding people what an asshole I've been to the gay community in Florida. Stop it. People are going to hate me for that. Well, and listen, <laughs> this illustrates the importance of these types of conversations. Absolutely. Because she needed to be called out like this. She needed this. Right. And people needed to see this. Yeah, it was important. It was awesome. Uh, hence why we played the entire, both segments of of the, the interview and then the, the aftermath. Yes. Yeah. Well, listen, it's it's not only Florida politicians who are coming out as allies and friends to the gay community who maybe used to not be, it is also Western politicians. The lieutenant governor of Utah came out. And in my estimation, he did this the right way. I mean, we'll, we'll wait and see. The jury's out. We don't know what his, his record going forward will be. But he seems like a stand-up guy who, who stood up in front of an LGBT crowd and gave a very heartfelt speech in the aftermath. We're not going to play the entire speech, but a few minutes of it, a couple minutes of it, of him not just saying he's there for them, but apologizing for his past deeds. Thank you for being here tonight on this very solemn and somber occasion. I begin with an admission and an apology. First, I recognize fully that I am a balding, youngish, middle-aged, straight, white, male Republican politician with all of the expectations and privileges that come with those labels. I, I am probably not who you expected to hear from today. I'm here because yesterday morning, 49 Americans were brutally murdered. And it made me sad. And it made me angry. And it made me confused. I'm here because those 49 people were gay. I'm here because it shouldn't matter. But I'm here because it does. Pretty great. Pretty great. Now, I'm not here to tell you that I know exactly what you are going through. I'm not here to tell you that I feel your pain. I don't pretend to know the depths of what you are feeling right now. But I do know what it feels like to be scared. And I do know what it feels like to be sad. And I do know what it feels like to be rejected. And more importantly, I know what it feels like to be loved. I grew up in a small town. I went to a small rural high school. There were some kids in my class that were different than me, and sometimes I wasn't kind to them. I didn't know it at the time, but I know now that they were gay. I regret not treating them with the kindness, dignity, and respect, the love that they deserved. For that, I sincerely and humbly apologize. Over the intervening years, my heart has changed. It has changed because of you. 
It has changed because I've gotten to know many of you. You have been very patient with me as I went through this change. You even helped me learn the right letters in the alphabet in the right order, even though you keep adding new ones. <laughs> you have been kind to me. Jim DeBacchus even told me I dress nice once, and I know he's lying. <laughs> You have treated me with the kindness, dignity, respect, the love that I very often did not deserve. And it has made me love you. But now we are here. We are here because 49 beautiful, amazing people are gone. These are not just statistics. These were individuals. These were human beings. They each have a story. They each had dreams, goals, talents, friends, family. They are you and they are me. And one night they went out to relax, to laugh, to connect, to forget, to remember. And in a few minutes of chaos and terror, they were gone. I believe that we can all agree that we have come a long way as a society when it comes to our acceptance and understanding of the LGBTQ community. Did I get it right? Yeah. <laughs> However, there has been something about this tragedy that has very much troubled me. I believe that there is a question, two questions actually, that each of us needs to ask ourselves in our heart of hearts, and I'm speaking now to the straight community. How did you feel when you heard that 49 people had been gunned down by a self-proclaimed terrorist? That's the easy question. Here's the hard one. Did that feeling change when you found out that the shooting was at a gay bar at 2 a.m. in the morning? If that feeling changed, then we're doing something wrong. So this seemed really powerful and genuine. Very. I think more importantly, it seemed genuine. And it goes on for several more minutes. I know this is a, a clip-rich show, so I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable playing the whole goddamn thing, but... It is just as meaningful all the way through. But you have someone here doing something really important, which is recognizing that they've been wrong. Yeah. Recognizing that they need to apologize, apologizing, and now hopefully after this, putting some actions with these words. Right. That's why I said, we'll see. He's got to back it up with action. Right. Saying you're sorry and admitting that you've been a fucker. That's one thing. That's a big step, though. It really is. Let's see going forward what he does. Well, especially when you have people like Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, the majority leader, who has omitted any mention of gays when talking about what happened in Orlando. Yes. Or Representative Pete Sessions of Texas, who has said that the site of the shooting was not a gay club. Yeah. So you have Republicans just trying to ignore what happened here. And then you have Republicans like Spencer Cox saying, listen, I, I haven't been right on this issue and I'm really sorry. Yeah. And hopefully this means that he's going to change and he's going to try to enlist his fellow Republicans yeah. to change as well. Well, not even enlist them. Let's hope that this is a, a wave, a tidal wave of support that is running through hearts and minds, even individually, because... He's a Mormon in Utah, 
conservative state, a, a, a super conservative state, maybe there's others who are coming around and realizing the errors of their ways. We can only hope. Hey, if you'd like to sound off about this or any other thing, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Also, if you'd like to support the show other than listening twice a week, we would love to have you on board with Patreon or PayPal. Uh, Brittany mentioned something this week about that she thinks that some people might be a little trepidatious of Patreon, like even maybe thinking that we get your credit card numbers or something. And it that is not how it works. It's a separate, almost like a, what is it? Uh, GoFundMe or, or Kickstarter, but it's on an ongoing basis. So well, they get a little chunk of what you give us. Right. As a, as a fee to keep the site running and everything. Right, because that's the whole point of Patreon. Right, and GoFundMe for that matter. Right, they're between, yeah. they're in the middle between yeah. us and you. That's right. And they do everything that, that we don't worry about. <laughs> and I really am looking forward to a time soon, hopefully, because I, I, I did the math one time, and if only 500 people give a quarter an episode, we'd be able to do a third show. Yeah, I mean, we're we're way away from 500 Patreon supporters. I think we're at like 50 some. Yeah, which is awesome. We have a new one, Ryan. By the oh. way, we want to thank Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Awesome. Um, but if you want to join Ryan and the others and get us closer to our goal of adding content, both bonus content and a third weekly episode, wouldn't that help you guys get through the week? It would be so good. Come on now. Go to Patreon.com/slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Or you can just go, click on the website, dollamore.com, on the left-hand side of the page. Support the show. A blah, a blah, a blah. If we add a third show, I'm going to have to have a lot more encounters with spiders. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, on the show, we've talked a lot about Obama and about these other candidates who talk about him not using the phrase radical Islam. Well, Hillary Clinton this last week came out and she did use the phrase. Did, Interesting. Did chalk it up to radical Islam that that is the problem, but Obama is holding tight. He is holding firm to his belief that it's not important that he name the threat that exists as radical Islam. And let me make a final point. For a while now, the main contribution of some of my friends on the other side of the aisle have made in the fight against ISIL is to criticize this administration and me for not using the phrase radical Islam. That's the key, they tell us. We can't beat ISIL unless we call them radical Islamists. What exactly would using this label accomplish? What exactly would it change? Would it make ISIL less committed to trying to kill Americans? Would it bring in more allies? Is there a military strategy that is served by this? The answer is none of the above. That, that is true. The answer to those questions, those straw man arguments, would be 
none of the above. But naming the threat that exists as what it is, which is radical Islam, fundamentalist Islamism, by naming it, you give the American people confidence that you know what the fuck is going on. I don't have confidence, especially after this particular speech that he gave the other day, that he does know what's going on. I'm not confident he does understand the existential threat that we face based on this particular fairy tale. Well, something that is interesting to me, and I know we touched on this a little bit on the last show, I don't remember how much, but you know, liberals seem to struggle a little bit with criticizing Islam in particular. Now, they have no issue whatsoever criticizing Christianity. Right. And they can talk about all day long these Republican religious right individuals who are discussing legislation to oppress the LGBT community. People, but when you people who are dicks. But when you And deserve criticism. Sorry, go ahead. But when you talk about Islam, there seems to be some sort of shift where we want to yeah. give people some space from their religious beliefs, but they don't want to give that space between the religious beliefs and the political beliefs, you know, of the people that are running this country. Right. So it's kind of confusing. I, I don't really understand the difference between the two, because I just see all of the religions in one big circle, yeah. really. They're all gay-hating, rights-suppressing organizations, ideologies. Well, and like, you, and like we talked about earlier, there are people who interpret the religions to omit those parts. Yes. And okay, great. But there are people who are not doing that, and right. that is what the problem is. Well, the second half of the speech kind of dealt with Obama and his views about how ISIS and Al-Qaeda, they don't speak for the billion or so other Muslims. Here he is. It's a political talking point. It's not a strategy. And the reason I am careful about how I describe this threat has nothing to do with political correctness and everything to do with actually defeating extremism. Groups like ISIL and Al-Qaeda want to make this war a war between Islam and America, or between Islam and the West. They want to claim that they are the true leaders of over a billion Muslims around the world who reject their crazy notions. They want us to validate them by implying that they speak for those billion plus people, that they speak for Islam. That's their propaganda. That's how they recruit. And if we fall into the trap of painting all Muslims with a broad brush and, imp and imply that we are at war with an entire religion, then we are doing the terrorist work for them. Now, up until this point, this argument about labels is most... Sorry, I'm demanding that you pause because <laughs> I, I have a thought that just occurred to me, which is, okay, so he's saying we don't want to paint 
the entire Muslim community with a broad brush. Okay, but but not talking about it at all, you're allowing that to happen. Yes. From the religious Christian right in this country. Sure. They are choosing to spin the narrative because... The you're, liber- not, you're not assigning blame to the radicals, so Christians assign it to everybody. Well, yeah, because liberals are refusing to have a nuanced argument to offer a nuanced discussion about this. Yeah. Not painting a broad brush. Again, not painting with a broad brush, okay? Yeah, yeah. And so you're letting the the GOP take hold of this narrative and make it what they want to be. Yeah. Obama continues. Mostly just been partisan rhetoric. And sadly, we've all become accustomed to that kind of partisanship. Even when it involves the fight against these extremist groups. Extremist what? And that kind of yapping has not prevented folks across government from doing their jobs, from sacrificing and working really hard to protect the American people. But we are now seeing how dangerous this kind of mindset and this kind of thinking can be. We're starting to see where this kind of rhetoric and loose talk and sloppiness about who exactly we're fighting, where this can lead us. We now have proposals from the presumptive Republican nominee for President of the United States to bar all Muslims from emigrating to America. All right, let's unpack this a little bit. He went through, obviously, he's justifiably shitting on Donald Trump. Of course. But the other part of this is like you talked about him talking about painting a billion Muslims with a broad brush. Lest we not forget about Pew Research, their groundbreaking data that they released, their polling data, where they went through and asked, support for Sharia law in these Muslim-majority countries. What percents of Muslims who favor making Sharia, which provides the death penalty for both apostasy, which is leaving the church, and also for homosexuality, where a woman can go to prison for having been raped? What percentage of these broad brush painted Muslims believe that homosexuality should carry the death penalty. Let's talk about that. Hopefully Obama knows these numbers too. Let's just start with Indonesia, which is the most populous Muslim country on the planet. 72% believe in Sharia law. Effectively, that homosexuals should be put to death. They believe it should be the law of the land? Yes. Afghanistan, 99%. Pakistan, 84%. Bangladesh, where they hack atheist bloggers to death with machetes and hatchets. 82%. So there is something about this, though, because there's another question, and it it is the percentage of Muslims who say that Sharia has multiple interpretations versus one single 
interpretation. And uh, in some of the countries that you listed, like Indonesia, uh, they're pretty divided. 45% believe there is one single interpretation. Okay. And 44% believe, hey, there, there's multiple interpretations. So who really knows what that means, right? Multiple interpretations. Sure. Obviously, there's a problem here. Well, even if you, let, let's even take that 44% to believe in the one interpretation, the harsh interpretation. It's a country with a couple hundred million people, 44% of whom believe that homosexuals should be put to death. That's a problem. So calling it radical Islam isn't painting all Muslims with a broad brush unnecessarily. Because Islam is a radical belief system. Just like Christianity is a radical belief system. The only difference is for, thousands, for, for hundreds of years, Christians have kind of stopped killing everyone. Where Islam... They're 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 hot and heavy right now. So I think this is the kind of argument that starts to make people uncomfortable, right? They yeah. start to feel like, whoa, well, you're maybe teetering on a line of of painting all Muslims with this broad brush. And I want to help you out <laughs> and say that's not what you're saying. But you're saying there is a problem here. There's a problem here. And in many uh, prominent Muslim activists like Majid Nawaz mm -hmm. and Iron and Iron Hirsi Ali, who believe that Islam needs to go through a reformation. I believe that, too. Period. Where they adjust, where they improve, where they redefine. They find some nuance in, in the interpretation of their holy scriptures. Right, because even among Muslims who say that Sharia should be the law of the land, you know, you have 79% who favor the death penalty for people who leave Islam in Afghanistan, 67% uh, in Pakistan, 44% in Bangladesh. This is scary, having large majorities in certain countries believing that people should be put to death for being homosexual or for leaving their faith. So this is problematic, and, sure. and the thing that I think needs to be addressed is removing the discomfort with talking about this because it doesn't need to be an indictment of people generally, right? There's many different kinds of Christians and people will distinguish between the Westboro Baptist Church and the church that I went to where my pastor would secretly tell me that he's trying to surreptitiously indoctrinate everyone into being liberals. <laughs> During his sermons. Right, right. Okay, so there's there's a wide variety within these faiths. And I think that is an important thing to note. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that there aren't critiques, that there shouldn't be critiques, and that there shouldn't be discussion about the problematic areas. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. Further, I also understand that, you know, the President of the United States carries a very heavy stick and every single sentence out of his mouth carries weight. And it is analyzed and, and, and hyper-analyzed. That's why D Trump is so dangerous as a president, because he just speaks extemporaneously with his fifth-grade vocabulary. <laughs> so I, I, give, I give Obama a little, a little leeway, but this speech really rubbed me the wrong way, because Islam is a bad deal. 
you know, I wouldn't go as far as, as Sam Harris. It's, it's the mother load of bad ideas, but it's one of the mother loads of bad ideas. It's a bummer, just like Christianity. It's just another death cult where a vast majority of its congregants, of its of its of its faithful, believe in terrible shit. As far as I'm concerned, even if you believe that homosexuality is a sin, that is a terrible thing. Notwithstanding, if you believe they should be put to death. You know, who said that if the if the fundamentalists of your faith follow the fundamentals of your faith and they're bad people, that means the fundamentals of your faith are bad news. You know? Yeah, and I'm. I, that's what's difficult about Obama's speech, which is he, you know, I mean, you're saying one thing, right? And Obama won't even say the thing about the jihadists, the radical Islamists. He won't even talk about that. Well, he's saying that this isn't about Islam at all. Well, he no, he won't even say that this is radical yeah. Islam. Right, they're just radical. They're extremists. Period. Right. What are just they extremists? What are they extremists about, though? Right. And, and I think this is where I get confused because it's okay to talk about the ideology that's driving people to do this. In fact, why wouldn't we talk about it and break down the ideology yeah. and discuss what's wrong with it and what we can do to improve? Yeah. It is a problem, and luckily we only have uh, six months left of Obama, and looking forward to a Hillary Clinton administration, likely. And she, again, we just talked about, came out and did use the word. She's clearly more willing to talk about the problem on the problem's terms. You know what I mean? On the terms that the problem sets for reality. We're not living in a fucking fantasy land. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Just for uh, for good measure, Brittany Page. Maybe that should just be like the permanent intro where people say they never <laughs> listen to the show. That should be like the permanent intro to the yeah, show. Yeah, maybe I should have listeners who are good at producing segment stingers and stuff maybe submit their own. Yes. <laughs> great idea. Not that we don't love that one. We do. Haas from Franks and Deans. It is great. Super great. All right, let's let's wrap it up with some Florida files. Been a long time, huh? All right, well, in our ongoing, or in my ongoing quest to illuminate and possibly torture Brittany Page related to her her fear, her adversarial relationship with nature, mm-hmm. I we have on the show right now someone who put out a video. A horrific video. It's so violent. <laughs> it is. I have no idea... What hellscape this person lives in where <laughs> they have occasion to find a slew. I mean, that's the only way. I don't know what the, the, the official word for a grouping of raccoons is, but it is horrific. And there, it's like seven raccoons on the side of the road. With a cat. W- with a random cat just hanging out with the raccoons. 
and he offers food to one of the raccoons who comes over and promptly chomps down on his fucking hand. Mm-hmm. Well, we have him on the phone. Braddock Basket is here with us. Thank you for joining us on the show, Braddock. Hello, you're welcome. So rape free. So yeah, you know. <laughs> right. So so what hellscape do you live in? The hellscape is named Orlando, Florida. <laughs> so you probably know pretty well about it. Most people do. Um, I'm actually from the north, so uh, my interactions with raccoons are very limited. I've only ever seen them, you know, driving in my car at night. So when I came across this gaze, actually, Jesse, it's a gaze of raccoons <laughs> when you have a big pack of them. Uh, when I came across this gaze of raccoons, I had to just get out of my car and confront them. So you had to do I, it. <laughs> confront. I like that term too. You know, I dropped off. It was I was at a real estate school, and I just happened to see them. So I dropped my girlfriend off, and she's like, "Just go do whatever you're gonna do. Don't die." And uh, so she knew Im- immediately what was gonna happen. And uh, I figured it would be fifty-fifty. I'd either have a super cute video, like you mainly see on online nowadays, or I would have a, a funny PSA. And I got the latter. <laughs> so, do you know? Do you know what the situation was? I mean, are there just random? fluffy little kitty cats hanging out with monstrous <laughs> teeth-bearing, chomping down on human hands I, raccoons? No clue. I had no clue. I thought that maybe the pattern, if you look at the video and you see the cat, the, his pattern almost looks like he has a raccoon's face. And maybe they've just been they've just been cool with each other. But I figured if they were okay with the cat, then it's a good possibility they might have been fed by people. And oh, might yeah. Be somewhere- now, specifically, where is this area? Because I need to never go there because it looks like just a random parking lot. And I think that's what's most terrifying is that seven raccoons could just gang up on someone in a random parking lot. Yeah, just anywhere on OBT, just never stop. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a new video. and I do. I don't know if you're just a fucking danger magnet. <laughs> But this new video is involves a, a possum, and god, goddamn man, I, let me tell you, I've been through some hairy, hairy shit. Uh, I was a marine. I've lived in urban areas and had some close encounters, and uh, I've I never, <laughs> I don't think I've ever experienced the danger that you seem to on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, you know, ever since I came down to uh, Florida two years ago, it seems like like nature. Everything just wants to just eat and attack you down here. Like, I could fall asleep for eight hours in the woods up north, and nothing would ever touch me or think about biting me, except for maybe a mosquito. Down here, five minutes, and you have a red bull ant crawling up your nose, you know? So I just always have a knife if I go out for a journey into the woods. You never know. A wild boar is going to come just running at you. Um, So I've always been more of a more liking to, to wildlife and nature. And I do have a few videos up where I, I rescued a wood duck from my chimney. Like he was up inside my chimney for like days and I had to pull him out of there. And uh, so it just seems like the more intense the animals got down here, like I have a gator video too. I just kept rolling with what I was doing with wildlife, uh, which is pretty much generally trying not to be afraid and so separate from it like we are now, like I feel like we are now. Well, you've experienced the worst by having your hand chomped on by a vicious raccoon. Correct. So now you now you have the possum video. Are you planning other um, animal encounters that you want to videotape and tempt these animals with your hand? 
Yeah, I guess it's more of like um, almost like vlogging, I guess it would be what, what, what happens with animals and me because it's really like I just like to be outside a lot and it's whenever the animals come up to me. So you never know what you're going to see. I mean, I did just I was alongside the road with a probably 150 pound boar just the other day and I have video of that, but there's nothing, you know, there's just nothing to it. You know, I, I don't want to just post everything up there, but like the raccoon, for instance, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but the, I, I didn't actually get bit. The raccoon never broke the skin and, uh, it's out of frame when I actually pull my hand away. But, uh, since I did grow up with a, a blind, uh, sensei who taught me to catch goldfish out of ponds, <laughs> uh, I was able to notice the danger and pull my hand quick enough away. And then I shooed him away. I'm like, okay, get out of here. You don't get the Teddy Graham that I just happened to find in my car. And two more came at me, and I, I threw the tree to them. So um, it wasn't like an ongoing attack of like seven raccoons jumping onto my face and <laughs> running after me. So I decided to add that, you know, the end of the video, to add that whole, you know, dumb Florida man uh, and apparently white boy aspect from what the comments I see. Uh <laughs> People apparently think that only Caucasians do this to animals. Um, <laughs> well, let me say, uh, you caught the perfect footage because his pearly white, razor sharp chompers were yes. perfectly in frame. Yeah, they look like it's inside of my hand, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, listen, if you would like to go check out Braddock's videos, it's Braddock Basket. Braddock, like you think you'd spell it, and then B-A-S-K-E-T-T. We will put the information in the show notes. I would encourage everybody to go check it out because, goddamn, if you aren't already terrified like the lovely and talented Brittany Page of raccoons, you you likely will be. Mm-hmm, you will. All right, Braddock. We appreciate you coming on, and uh, stay safe, yeah, brother. Thanks. Hey, thank you for having me, and I will try my best. It's all up to Florida. <laughs> wow, well, that was uh, it was good, and a little alarming when you watch those videos. Oh, very alarming, very, <laughs> very upsetting. If you are afraid of animals like me, please. No one's afraid like you. Please be cautious in watching the video because you may have nightmares. You may not be able to sleep. That little lip curl on that possum, no good. Oh, that's sick. All right. We're going to leave you there. We love you. We appreciate you. If you'd like to support the show other than listening, go to dollamore.com, left-hand side of the show, and you know what to do. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for spending your time with us as often as you do. It is a beautiful thing that we're building here, and it wouldn't be possible without your participation. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. You wanna you wanna feel it? <laughs> <laughs>